Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Chautauqua County Executive P.J. Wendell joins us to talk about the county budget, Ignite program, and the fire at the Colony Motel and more. We have County Executive P.J. Wendell in studio with us today to talk about everything that has been happening just this week alone. Uh, big thing. Welcome, P.J. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, the big thing that happened was you have a county budget. It's been passed by the legislature. We do. Really exciting. Uh, you know, we, I've been looking at county budgets across the state and other county executives as they rolled them out. And uh, really exciting uh, news that, you know, we lowered tax, our tax rate by 89 cents, the lowest rate since 1981. Uh just really a solid, uh, solid effort by everybody. Uh, it was good to hear, you know, even though they voted against it, um, you know, Bob Bankowski spoke out and said it was a good, uh, a good budget. Um, I was approached by Will- Billy Torres after again and said, you know, nice job, it's a good budget. Um, but you know, really, we we looked at all the pieces. Uh, we know there's going to be some some things that. Uh, are unforeseen going into the future. So when Terry Nebel spoke up and said we're very cautious on how much of the fund balance we've already used. Um, we're going to stick to that. This is a very tight budget. You know, we people often, it, it, the naysayers out there say, well, you say that every year. Well, this year the vacancy savings has been um, implemented. Uh, so that's another hit to the, the department budgets. Not really a hit so much as that's always been something they could rely on. You know, if, if something were to go awry, something increase, well, we can just, you know, take away from those positions that haven't been filled. Well, now we've taken those positions out of their budget, the, the, the funding for them. Not to say, and as Dan Pavlock said, we have the funding, we can put that back in should these, you know, um, personnel um, numbers go up and need to, you know, fund them better fund them more. But right now we're in a very solid position. And, you know, I thank the legislature and their hard work. Uh, You know, they take time. And I guess what I like to look at is the discussion that takes place, even last night on the floor or during, you know, what I call the budget hearings themselves. uh, Some questions here and there and more so, um, you know, these unforeseen state mandates that are increasing. Uh, And that's where we see the majority of our increases this year that really crept up even from when the budget was presented. Uh, so hats off to the legislature. They really, you know, rolled up their sleeves, got into the, you know, the, the nitty gritty and, you know, made some solid decisions. Uh, excited more, you know, we, we do, uh, you know, that additional 500,000. I asked for a million, but 500,000 for lake maintenance. I think that's going to be significant going into the future. It's the first time we've done that. Uh, and, and there's some concern with that. You know, it's a state owns the lake and the state operates it. So, you know, the county, um, you know, being involved, but I think it's the right thing to do. And this is for any lake in Chautauqua County. So uh, we have a process that's going to be rolled out. You know, we already have the selection process, the criteria we're going to look at. So really excited about what the budget is going to bring to county residents. And most importantly, you know, that tax rate reduction, that's that's significant. So uh, I'm proud of the fact that I pr- presented four 
consecutive budgets, all four from my office uh, included the tax reduction. My very first one, uh, the legislature reversed that because uh, it was right during COVID and we weren't sure what the numbers were gonna look like. Um, you know, I remember a lot of the criticism with the current, uh, you know, uh, on some of the, on the Democrat side talked about our slush fund or the, or the fund balance. Uh, if you go back to Chuck Nazaro uh, questioning the increase we had in sales tax revenue and said, well, I'm not really sure we should have that. And there was, you know, it was a lot of criticism, even, you know, from uh, you know, other media sources saying, you know, listen to Mr. Nazaro, he knows what he's talking about. And, and I agree. And the legislature pivoted. But what we had no idea what would impact the budget was online sales tax. That is something that took place and first began in 2020. And what we've seen with those first two years of some record, sale, record sales tax revenue coming in. That has since plateaued. We've increased that revenue over the last couple of years, increased it again. And right now, we are at budget for our sales tax revenue. Slightly ahead, I think Kitty said. So we have increased that responsibly um, and not, you know, as we've been said, overtaxing our residents. I think that's a, I think a ridiculous statement. Um, how do you overtax? If I'm overtaxing residents for the last three years with a tax rate reduction, we must be doing something very unique here in Chautauqua County. But nonetheless, very proud of the budget, ready to get forward. And as I tell everybody, once this gets started, you know, I come December, I'm starting to think of the 2025 budget. <laughs> 2024 will be here soon, and we start planning for the next one. Yeah, you mentioned the you know, 2025 budget. One of the things that came in after you presented your budget was a couple of things from New York State. Uh, one of them being uh, an increase in Medicaid of about, I think, what, $644,000, um, if I'm reading my notes right. And then you also had a retirement adjustment of $975,000. That's you know, almost a million dollars. And there was some report, I want to say maybe the Comptroller's Office came out with saying that they're going to be adjusting further. Uh, with the increases coming in 2025. So, I mean, how, how concerning is that right now? Very concerning. Uh, you know, there's people who are living longer. If you look at, I'm not, I'm not critical of the retirement system because if we look at the tier one individuals who are living longer, who never paid into the retirement system, but their salaries only started out as, you know, 10,000 a year or less. It really wasn't significant salaries when, when those individuals began, but they are living longer. So the withdrawal from the, the um, Retirement fund is is uh, is continuing. It's remarkable that they're they're looking at these adjustments when we have one of the largest retirement funds in the nation um, with uh, the New York State retirement system. So, um, Nicelers, as it's referred to, it's concerning uh, because um, you know it's impacted by the market. We do have a lot of the investments. Um, from the state, our you know our retirement invests in you know in the market. They invest in other products, so <clears throat> the economy impacts our retirement. So you know if we see a recession, if we see some you know um, economic downturn, it's going to affect the county or excuse me the state retirement system. I remember years ago when the Deepwater Horizon sank to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico, so did twenty million dollars of the New York State retirement system because the New York State retirement was invested in that. So. Um, Looking ahead, those numbers are concerning, uh, but I also, you know, take pride in the fact that if you work for a municipality or you know our school districts, you have a guaranteed retirement, which is something that most, um, you know, most companies don't have. So um, it's a it's a strain. I understand it, but you know, we just have to plan for that as we go forward. Mm -hmm.
So uh, something that was announced last week uh, was a program for the Chautauqua County Jail that uh, Sheriff Jim Quattrone announced called Ignite, brought in and brought in sheriffs from uh, elsewhere in the United States, which I, I don't think I've, I've seen before, at least at any press event I've gone to. Tell us more about what your thoughts are on this Ignite program. It's exciting. You know, I remember when the sheriff came to me, I forget how long ago, he said, we want to start this new nationwide program. You know, he said it to me, I'm like, all right, go ahead. That's it? I'm like, no. I mean, I, first of all, I've known Jim a long time. I trust his judgment when it comes to his department and any programs. And he is a very um, person-based um, sheriff. He focuses on, yes, his employees, uh, but also the residents. And even uh, incarcerated individuals, or as, as some of the sheriffs refer to them, as the residents uh, of their detention centers. I think it's important to take a humanitarian approach to that. Yes, these people have committed crimes. Yes. You know, they, some have done some pretty terrible things. And the sheriffs have the, the excitement about this program is what really got me. Uh, spoke to the sheriff from Mecklenburg County, really exciting individual, and he was just, uh, I couldn't say enough about meeting with him. Uniquely enough, my brother lives in Charlotte, so we had a lot of comparable stories, knew where my brother lived. And, but, but listen to the sheriff, he was just so energetic and excited about the program. And it's not, they don't, they see law enforcement in a, in a big metropolitan area. Uh, such as Charlotte, as uh, you know, not so much a challenge, but an exciting endeavor. You know, how can we reverse what we're seeing? Um, you know, he he talked about some things, some programs he had, and and I think what is most unique in the sheriff from Sandusky, Ohio, and the sheriff from um, Genesee County, Michigan. He said, now what we do is, now we have a contest within the sheriffs and see who can have the better program and compare numbers and see whose numbers can be better and stuff. So I'm really excited. I really, you know, I, I behind the sheriff 100% with this and really excited as to what it offers. Uh, and I said this to the, the commissioner, you know, New York State for county jails is the Department of Corrections. And I think we need to focus on that, correcting our behaviors, not so much you know, punitive. And if somebody commits a crime that's so serious that now you're in a penitentiary, uh, then yes, there's a completely different philosophy with that, you know. And, but here, many of the individuals, you know, and, and several of the sheriffs said this, you're one bad mistake, one bad decision away from being a resident. And I think we all really need to keep in mind when it comes to that. Um, you know, anything could happen to anyone. Like you said, you're you're texting on your phone. You look over, you text, and next thing you know, you're in a car accident. And someone's killed. Well, you're responsible. So now you become a citizen. Now you're a, you know now you're a resident. So it's those types of things that um, you know. And not all these people are are bad. They just haven't had the right guidance. And I know our sheriff has said that many times. Some of the people that he talks to just need the right guidance. So I think this program is going to encourage them to get that guidance. <coughs> And to focus on, you know, correcting their behavior. And I'm really excited about it. I think there's just nothing but positivity that comes out of this. I like the fact that we're the first county. In fact, um, <coughs> when I we rolled this out, uh, I was in uh, uh, with the County Executives of America in Washington and uh, spoke with our NISAC director, Steve Aquario. And I said, what are the chances we could present this at the NISAC conference coming up in February? Uh, and there's another... Um, um, Sheriff Juan out in, I want to say Westchester County, um, but one of the other eastern counties is starting the same program. So it'll be interesting to, to get, I don't know, Sheriff Juan's on the, the board of directors with me, uh, and it'll be great to see our sheriff and he uh, present this program and, you know, get some of the sheriffs up from, from all over the country. Really, you know, 
I'd like for other counties in New York to, to you know, jump on board. But excited we're the first. Uh, we'll be the pioneers. And again, I can't say enough about it. It looks like a great and exciting program. Mm-hmm. When it comes to for, for people who maybe missed my story that I did on this last week, you know, we're talking about reducing recidivism in of people who have been in jail, of coming back in jail, which, I mean... The, as Sheriff uh, Quattrone mentioned to you, there wouldn't be added cost to running this program for the county, that there's you know some existing things that are already happening. But one thing that did come to mind is that if you have someone who is, you know, goes through this Ignite program uh, in our county jail and it gets out and is able to have, be successful, that down the road, that, that means that that person and those individuals are less likely to be trying to access the services that the county provides, social services and whatnot. So there there would be long-term potentially a decrease in costs because of this program. 100%. And you know, one of the things, the stories I listened to Sheriff from Mecklenburg speak, he said, uh, when he rolled out his program, he said, you know, we have, you know, we have, um, you know, we'll have in, uh, residents here with us today. And they, he, he gave his presentation and the people kept saying, well, where are the residents? Where are the residents? He goes, they've been sitting right next to you. And what he does is he, he calls it his haberdashery. He has suits um, and ties, shirts, and these gentlemen and women, you know, can you know, go in and they could each take three suits, um, with three outfits. And they had no idea that these were criminals basically sitting amongst them because their behaviors, their mannerisms, uh, and everything, and it was just—it's so unique, uh, really exciting. And he said, you know, the restaurants will call him with his culinary program and say, "Hey, I need three people to work," and you know, boom, he'll he'll send he he you know these three residents. Hey, you three need to go to this restaurant. They're going to take care of you with a job. So it's there's a connection already. Uh, he told the story of his he and his wife were out to dinner, and uh, the the waiter came up and said, "Well, your dinner's taken care of." And you know, of course, in, in public office, you're concerned because you you know you can't take certain certain gifts or up to a certain amount. And he said, "Well, I don't where." And he goes, "Well, three of the gentlemen working in the back recognized you." And he didn't say who they were, and and they didn't tell the the waiter who he was, but just there was a guy who helped us. Uh, so those types of things are really heartwarming um, and really exciting to see. And and I know our sheriff, you know, Sheriff Jim. Uh, just does a great job with with connecting with with our, our residents, and I think changing that. You know, I I don't you know, maybe sit down and talk to him, and maybe changing from the you know CCJ as we've already known it to uh, you know the Chautauqua County Detention Center, and and just change the name and change the mindset, and really start to have a more positive impact. They're criminals. We get it, and we know now that if you are incarcerated, especially in a local jail with bail reform you've done something significant that requires you to stay there but i think there's also opportunities for these individuals to turn themselves around and i remember back when i i said the first time i stepped out of my element if you will as a legislator i still have the note from vince will you chair this it was the criminal justice coordinating council but again it was to reduce recidivism in the jail reduce our jail population that was then over 300. Um, so looking at that uh this is something that I've been involved with now for you know probably 10 years. Uh, bail reform helped quite a bit in reducing that, but we still have the recidivism. And jail and or the you know incarceration should not be where you seek treatment. But unfortunately, that's where many the only place many of these people get the treatment. So uh, you know we have a road to hoe, but I, I'm really excited about this program, and I think the opportunity for growth for our incarcerated individuals is really what the focus is. And you know again. People are people. They're going to make mistakes, uh, and those who make severe mistakes are, you know, punished accordingly. But for those who just made a bad decision, we really need to focus. And I tell a story of a former athlete of mine that I I saw when I was in the jail, uh, taking a tour, 
and had a conversation with him that morning about, you know, he really needs to, I don't want to see him in here again kind of uh, discussion. And uh, two years later, he, he was out, I was out to breakfast and he came up and talked to me and he said, you know, I remember you coming in and it changed my life. And, and not saying it was just me, but it was just a good, a good story that, you know, he, he knew he made a bad decision and he, he changed his life. Now he owns his own business here in Chautauqua County. So really exciting that, you know, people can turn themselves around and make the right changes after a bad decision. So this program, can't say enough about it. Just looking to, and I hope we can become a flagship for uh, exciting, you know, increased numbers, uh, success rates. Mm-hmm. This week, also, we had the Chautauqua County uh, Industrial Development Agency board meeting and heard a lot of news of things happening in the county. One of them, uh, <laughs> we heard an update on possible project happening in Silver Creek, including even uh, action by the county legislature last night to sell that property to uh, a group uh, included out of Rochester Realty Group and uh, Stell, Southern Tiers Environment for Living. Really excited about that. Uh, we had a program that came in uh, about a year or two ago that we, we thought was really gonna make it work, uh, but unfortunately it, it just, I think they were relying on a lot more funding you know, from the state and federal government. This group I think has a little bit more um, involvement, skin in the game as we've been talking about for the last couple. The term often comes out, but uh, they're going to raise the current facility, you know, tear the building down, rebuild uh, new. So really exciting. Uh, all things pointing in the right direction. But, you know, with these projects, you never know what can happen. Anything could get derailed at the last minute or the 11th hour. So uh, I'm excited for it. You know, we are selling your property. You know, uh, both uh, Tom Harmon and Bob Benkowski mentioned it. Last night, it's in Tom Harmon's district. Bob Benkowski's the Silver Creek uh, DPF uh, director there. So really exciting news. I uh, really hope that continues and moves forward. Uh, I know the IDA and many in Silver Creek have been trying to get that property sold. You know, Senator Borello has really been championing that property, uh, you know, turning it around and it's really exciting. Yeah, that's, I can't, can't say enough about that. Mm-hmm. And with where, where the project is right now, the county um, IDA is just, they're doing the, the, what's called the due diligence aspect of it. So this is not like they've said, okay, here's your tax incentives, go forward. They're doing the time to, to look at everything first. Correct. And that's, that's what this pro, you know, these, these projects take time. You know, unfortunately, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, <laughs> we wish it could move faster, but, you know, unfortunately, the your bureaucracy of government kind of, you know, beleaguers everything, but I, I'm really excited about the program. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of merit that other programs and groups that came in to look at that property haven't had. So, uh, a lot of great great things in the future there. Uh, another project that unfortunately is not didn't quite go the way we thought. It's been kind of a, a tough. I say, if you want to say it's been a tough weathering for them, is cocaine. We've learned it's unfortunately closing and it's on the market right now. Uh, correct. I know uh, Mark spoke and he, he spoke to a local realtor that is there is interest in it. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, you start to open a business and hit COVID hits and we've had three years of, you know, two years of light snow. So it's hard to start a ski business when you don't have a lot of snow. And, you know, there are certain needs that that um, are unique to that that area. But uh, the redevelopment of that that property has been incredible. Uh, there's a new lodge. Uh, yeah, I, so I started skiing back in third grade, I forget, you know, 1978 or something. Um, and it was a great opportunity, you know, that ski club there, many kids, you know, in the Southern Chautauqua, uh, throughout Chautauqua County, really, uh, you know, learn to ski there. Um, and really exciting back in the day, but unfortunately, you know, it, it's, you know, it burned. Um, and just never really, you know, I'm excited that there's a, you know, a new Phoenix coming out of the ashes, if you will, but, um, Hopefully this new, uh, you know, this new interest will grow. Uh, hopefully we get a couple of, you know, parish of thoughts or some people that might get upset, but I hope we have a lot of snow because that's what they need, right? For a, you know, we do have a winter uh, economy that that's, uh, 
you know, relies on, you know, winter weather. So hopefully we can get that sold and, and somebody can get in and have some success. Mm-hmm. And having skied there in the past before before the lodge burned in 2011, I said that area, when it gets snow, it is the perfect snow to ski in. So yeah. Beautiful, so, beautiful area. Yeah. So ho- hopefully we'll see some developments actually work out going forward there. Uh, something that happened Tuesday morning, on the other hand, really, really sad. Colony Motel on Fairmont Avenue in uh, town of Ellicott uh destroyed in a fire and uh obviously it's a it's it's a site you know there's economic development concerns concerns but this was a place that you know was housing people and out of the emergency because they were emergency housing location so what what's happening at the county level with now this facility gone well that's you know that's going to be a struggle for us uh they're really the number of people that were actually in county services at that time were were trying to get a, a handle on because some were in social services, um, under social service programs, but not necessarily directly through the county. Although most of it does come through the county, I'm I'm trying to get pieces from everybody as we come forward with this, um, as to how many were actually. Um, some may have you know housing assistance that were, you know, living there uh, through other subsidies. I, I just have to get my hand. But you know, originally I you know one of the first. Yeah, you know, it was one of the first ones here, along with the other firefighters. Uh, I just got off the treadmill and, and saw the Jamestown's chief uh, headed that way. Looked at my phone, and and I got the page. Uh, you know, being in the fire service now for thirty five years, uh, so I rolled up. And once we knew it was significantly, uh, you know, burning and, and how it was progressing, yeah, I reached out to John Anderson and gave him a heads up. Uh, he apologized because he just rolled out of bed at six o'clock. Yeah, I agree. He just rolled out. Um, but no, I just said, you know, how many people do we have here? And he started the process of, of looking into that. Uh, it, it does impede our, our efforts, um, you know, as an emergency as an emergency emergency shelter. Uh, and I feel bad for the people that lost because these people, most everything was in that place, and and they lost everything. Um, I think there were some people that could get some things out, but exactly how much I don't know. But you know. Interestingly enough, you know, when I as I'm walking around, I because I, you know, I, I'm what they call a black hat. I was just nobody else. You know, I was rank and file that afternoon, you know, that morning working. Um, but I look back, and there was Dr. Falk, who you know came on his own and to see what you know assistance he could give, um, and was treating people medically. But then started to pivot, um, you know, a little bit more to the social services aspect of, you know, now from a medical position, but then also from from services, how do we help these people? Mobile crisis. I can't say enough about Lynn Graziano. Don Samuelson, and I'm afraid everybody in mobile crisis, they were all part of it. I can't remember everybody's name, but they just, they stepped up. They didn't have to be there. They chose to come in and, and be assistants. So that's huge. Um, Carmelo Hernandez was there. I, I spoke with him when he got there and, you know, what assistance could we provide these individuals? And mobile crisis, you know, we, we helped one individual particularly um, who was starting to elevate in crisis. And, you know, the team was able to de-escalate. Um, you know, we got him something to drink, got him some food and, you know, got him on a path to, you know, seeking more assistance uh, as it goes forward. So, uh, you know, from a from a social standpoint, from a social services standpoint, emergency shelter, that's, you know, big. Uh, so are, there are some people that have been relocated to the Econo Lodge in Fredonia. Um, you know, so we are working, you know, try to find shelter for individuals. And, uh, you know, many of them don't have transportation, so they have to be around places where they can walk or commute and, you know, use CHQ Transit. So. Um, you know, that, it's a challenge, um, you know, but on a personal note, um, you know, I was, uh, 
you know, one of my friends growing up, uh, Ellen McClawn now, was Ellen McAuliffe. Her parents owned the colony for 40 years. And when you look online and see the number of people that responded, uh, you know, friends of ours, we all knew, uh, you know, Southwestern kids always knew the Colony Motel and especially Ellen and her family. Um, you know, for 40 years they operated the colony and that was home uh, for many of them. Uh, and, you know, when people's homes were being built, they lived there where they came in on vacation. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, one, friend of mine came back and he said, you know, growing up the colony was always this beautiful place. So I decided to stay there when I came in this time. Cause you know, when you live here, you don't stay at the colony, right? Uh, but he was just excited that it was one of those things as a kid, he always wanted to stay at the colony. So I think, you know, that loss, I drove by it today and it's just, it's sad to see what, you know, this week, this time last week it was there, you know, nobody thought it would be gone within a week. And um, like anything else, it's tragic, but you know, hopefully there'll be some solid development coming from there. Um, you know, we do need more hotels in this side uh, of the city, per se, and, uh, you know, you have the Chautauqua Harbor down in Celeron, but, you know, something up along Fairmont Avenue would be great. Uh, you know, more, you know, more attraction to the city. It's, it's, you know, really just outside the city proper by you know, a mile or so, maybe. Uh, but, you know, devastating, you know, economically, it's going to be, there's going to be an impact um, for the, the lives of the 15 people who were displaced. That's important too. You know, we need to make sure that they're back on their feet. Um, two firefighters had some minor injuries. Um, you know, we were wishing them well, and, and they were. They both came. Uh, I think one came back to the fire actually later in the afternoon. The other one may have as well. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, over 14 departments were working together. A lot of. Uh, a lot of things happening, and it was a fire that was moving on so many different fronts. Many of us didn't realize there were rooms in the back. Um, you know, we all knew there were rooms in the front and on two wings, but there were another probably six or eight rooms on the backside that, I, to be honest, I never even knew existed. Um, so it wasn't until it burned we, we noticed that everything was there. But uh, it was a tricky fire, and, and, and it just goes to show just how fast the fire can spread, especially with the wood frame construction. It was built before firewalls uh, and you know, different things that would have prevented that fire from moving as fast as it did, especially if you looked at the, the layout, the two wings, all of that area above that pitched roof you know, is all like a horizontal chimney. And once that fire got in there, it just... It has a ton of air and a ton of oxygen, and it just starts ripping across that roof. Uh, many of the uh, the uh, the units didn't it didn't burn down into the unit; it just burned across. But with the water and smoke damage, you know, a lot a lot happened. Unfortunate. It was an icon, you know, in in this part of the county and you know this area. And for many southwestern, you know, west west Ellicott people, this was a uh, it's a big blow, you know. But again, uh, confident uh, that you know things will come out of it. You know, I know they're going to be working on the cause. It's going to take a while because it's such a, a massive amount of fire damage. But um, have all the faith in our fire investigation team. And uh, hopefully we get a cause and get some solution and, and really start to get that property developed again and, and back on the tax rolls. But, you know, really making sure that the families, the Patels, um, you know, are able to uh, get taken care of as, as they move forward. Mm -hmm. And we even learned that uh, legislator Elizabeth Rankin, that was her uncle who built the, uh, the hotel, motel, I think, back in... Was it 1954. 1954. Yeah, so, yeah. So, like you said, everyone has a connection of some sort. Yeah. And here she's sitting, I'm sitting like right, right by her at the media table, and she brings it up. I'm like, see, everybody knows everybody in Jamestown. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, in fact, but, it was yeah. funny. A friend of mine's wife, she goes, I remember working there. And I know uh, Jill isn't maybe in her mid 40s. I'm like, you, I, and I forget how long ago it was really. Uh, the McCullough's owned it, they owned it for 40 years. But um, just a great. I think the family connection is what was unique about the colony. It wasn't a chain motel. It was locally owned by a local family. And I think that's what made it so important and so special uh, that it was back in the day when that could be done, you know. So 
hats off, but unfortunately, uh, hopefully again, just like cocaine, something will come out of the ashes and bigger and brighter and, and really a, a new opportunity for the community. Mm-hmm. Something that was brought up at the uh, county legislature meeting last night, and actually it was at the end of the meeting more so, was uh, something, what's happening with this Strong Starts program? It was a comment that that funding has been paused for that program? Correct. So Strong Starts has as a component um, is being funded partially by the county. Uh, There's other agencies, uh, Oshai um, Hospital is involved, uh, uh, Ralph Wilson Foundation's involved. There's just so many people. Um, but, you know, for clarity, the contract that was canceled uh, is with the Healthy Community Alliance. So we didn't cancel Strong Starts. Strong Starts, as we've expressed it, is like a franchise. We bought into the Strong Starts package, if you will, program. Um, so they came in and they did some research. They found out, you know, where we were, uh, some pretty startling, you know, numbers uh, as, it, as we move forward. Uh, but... Uniquely enough, as we started going, there was $378,000 that was appropriated in ARPA funding. And up until, I think, the, within the last calendar year, uh, budget season, there was we expended about $126,000. So the question, and as we review the ARPA program every month, a lot of the, early on it was twice a month we were meeting, but we would argue, okay, where is this program going? What, where are we with this? It really, we've been two years into this, and it was actually the second program funded. Um, the first one was $700,000 for uh, a lead program that hadn't been touched for, again, the same thing. You know, 700000 this has been two years now, the money's been here, going on three, what are we doing? You know, and it's it's our job as the, you know, the ARPA committee to look at this and make sure that the money is being spent. And if it's not, then we put it back into the pool. Or if it's, you know, we don't need all the money, we can, you know, we, we're really, we over, you know, estimated, we can really... You know, only use half the money, or you know, we we look at that in each each program. We bring the program uh, directors, the people that are running the programs, in, ask questions, uh, get their input or department heads' input, and then we we make adjustments if need be. In this case, we started looking at the numbers. We started looking at where things were going. Some questions were raised, even from the, the staff at Strong Starts, as to you know what were some of the deliverables we were requesting, and so on and so forth. So. It, it caused myself, and it was brought to the attention by our our, our department heads, um, our deputy director of mental hygiene, and, and then also Carmela Hernandez, Trish McLennan, and Carmela both brought it to my attention. And I said, I don't know. We need to really look at this and look at the contract a little bit. And and so we did. So we 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 issued a notice that we were canceling the contract. But it was after months and months and months and months of looking at this money that hadn't been expended. Um, and then as the money was canceled, um, you know, we received information, you know, here on a, a, a spreadsheet that in 2022, um, you know, of that money, we spent $80,000 in that year, 64000 on salaries for a resource manager and then an outreach and partner engagement manager. So realistically, twenty-four and $39,000 of manager salaries uh, were involved, you know, a large portion of that in 2022. 2023, it increased. Um, you know, our management salaries were thirty thousand and fifty-four thousand uh, for a combined total of eighty-four thousand dollars. And then, what was even more somewhat remarkable to us is we started looking at um, you know related activities to help support community engagement three thousand, uh, subscription to facilitate partner engagement and outreach three thousand, uh, community education outreach media buy eighty-six hundred. 
um, consultant on the social media campaign. We paid another person $42,000. So in total, $72,000. Last year was $157,000 on media, licenses, and management salaries. That's significant. What are we doing for the residents? What are we doing for the children that are exposed to drugs and alcohol and you know these, these other concerns? So those are the questions that came up and said, wait a minute, let's, let's put a pause on this. Let's find out what are we getting for our money? What's the return? You know, we've seen a lot of individuals screened, but a smaller number referred or a smaller number qualifying for services. So even our own staff has said, are we asking the right questions in the, in the, the process moving forward? So, uh, but not to be mistaken, Strong Starts is, like I said before, it's a franchise. It's the only program in New York State. Uh, we were the first county to buy in. We were the first county to launch this with Dr. Chasnoff. Uh, he's out of, based out of Chicago. So there were some questions that came up that really piqued our concern as we were moving forward. Uh, but even now, you know, we, we, we canceled the contract with Strong Starts. No, we haven't. We've actually canceled Strong Starts with a group that's just kind of like a, a connector, if you will. Um, you know, how many people are being trained? And, and now the, the response was, well, we're, now we're going to begin the training. We're going to This program started in 2019. We're just now beginning training in 2023, going into 2024. It's concerning. So I think as, you know, in due diligence, you know, we looked at this, you know, mental hygiene um, and social services looked at this and said, let's, let's, put, let's put it on pause. You know, we haven't taken the money away. Uh, it's the reason I, I loop back in with this ARPA project and the ARPA committee. The money is still sitting there designated for strong starts. We did not put it back into the general pool of funding. We left it right there. You know, we're looking at an investigation right now. We're doing some internal um, uh, auditing as well. And, you know, some things have popped up that are a growing concern. We need to do this investigation follow through, and then we'll make a determination as we go on from there. But I don't want the people in the county to think that we're not doing anything for you know early childhood intervention. There are many programs. Tapestry has been doing interventional programs dating back as far as 2020, 2006. So this isn't new. The, the, the franchise, if you will, with Strong Starts uh, was was something that uh, you know came out as of 2019, but you know I think now you saw in the paper that you know JCC applied for a, a business grant to, I mean how is it, how are we funding a, a health initiative, public health initiative, as a business? It, to me, it just to me it's like almost like an oxymoron, right? <laughs> Where public health isn't a business, it, it is, but we need to start getting boots on the ground and really impacting you know the lives of our, our children especially you know those who are you know born addicted to um, opioids or other drugs or really start to get treatment one of the startling uh, uh, findings that came from dr. Chasnoff's initial um, data was the number of women who start to use alcohol and or drugs once they find out they're pregnant that's alarming that you start to use or you increase your use when you find out you're pregnant that's again that Science and everything tells you that's the wrong thing to do. Uh, so we need to get into, you know, dig into those numbers and find out why that's happening. But uh, again, it's on pause. You know, I think it's a solid program. We're not canceling the funding altogether, but we do need to take a hard look at this and, and look at things moving forward. Mm -hmm. Would you potentially, is there another group that you could contract with to administer the program? There is, uh, you know, Strong Starts, again, it, itself is is really that, that program and that franchise. Um, are there other programs out there? there? There's a lot of other evidence-based programming that goes on you know, throughout the country. Uh, uniquely enough, Dr. Chasnoff, when asked, uh, people said, well, you know, who can I contact? 
uh, from other counties that you know that you've worked with. Well, I don't. There are not many of them around anymore, and, and they're in California. And it's like that was something opened our eyes. Is there really isn't a whole lot of you know who can we call? What other counties anywhere in the country that have used strong starts? And what are your what are your successes? What have you seen? What's you know what's worked? What hasn't worked? Um, we really haven't seen that yet. So. Um, you know, I don't mind being a pioneer. You know, we're pioneering Ignite, right, in New York State. So I don't see why we, we wouldn't look to continue, you know, piloting uh, and being a pioneer with, with Strong Starts. But just a lot of questions that popped up. And no different than, you know, the Ignite program. Should we invest $300,000 in the Ignite program? We, we don't see the numbers. I'm sure the sheriff would probably be the first one to tell you, let's, let's look at this again, because maybe we aren't, you know, getting the bang for a buck. But that's the job of... No, it's my responsibility as the executive that you know issues and signs these contracts that we look, but also my department heads to look at the programs that are you know kind of under their umbrella and really dig into that. And as we started to dig in and ask questions, there were a lot of unanswered questions. So um, at this time, I said we're we're doing some investigations. We'll we'll look at the future, and um, but we are not walking away from taking care of our residents and especially um, you know early early intervention. That's it's really a key and it's a, it's a priority. Mm-hmm. Coming up this weekend, a lot of things happening uh, in terms of November elections. Early voting starts, and when and this will air on uh, Thursday, today, and on Sunday after everything starts. But really, the election cycle, the election season is is here. It's Saturday; it begins early voting. Um, what you know? What are your thoughts on this year's elections? I mean, it is a county legislature year uh, for for all their members, and uh, uh, while there's no other countywide, you know. What do, you, what do you have your thoughts about? <coughs> you know, what are the thoughts? And it's interesting, one of the questions I saw in today's paper, you know, what has the county legislature done in two years? Uh, you know, you look at the businesses that have started, you look at the businesses that have, um, and things that have begun in the last two years, the sale of the White Inn, Hideaway Bay, all these things have happened under the auspice of, of the county legislature. Um, so to say that, you know, if you haven't passed the legislation, you're not working as a, legislature, a legislator is completely false. Uh, you know, these men and women work diligently on multiple committees with multiple programs. You know, one of my department heads once said it too, you know, you look at this and evaluate yourself, even in my role, um, and you know, it's like, well, what have we done? And he goes, you run a $270, $290 million corporation with 1,300 employees. Um, you know, do people go ahead and ask Cummins Engine, what have you done in the last year or two? <laughs> it's, it's a big corporation and we are moving. And when you look at what we've done in the county over the last two years. We've seen our property values increase. We've seen properties being sold in Chautauqua County. We've seen businesses being started. We've seen things moving and progressing. We've seen people coming back to Chautauqua County. Contrary to what others want to say, people are moving here. People are buying houses at a, at a, higher, a higher value than what they're assessed at, which is the market driving that. It's not you know, the assessors. It's not, you know, it's, it's not the county for, per se. But we are making Chautauqua County a valuable place to live, raise a family, and vacation. Those are the things that the legislature is part of. I'm excited about that. There's a lot of contested races. Uh, I think if you look at where we are right now, we have not, you know, it's been a super majority with, in the legislature. We have not forced an agenda, um, you know, by the Republican side of the party. We've worked together. Uh, we've worked, you know, really well with, with the other side of the aisle. In fact, you know, last night I was approached by two legislators, uh, two of the Democrats saying, hey, great job on the budget. It's a solid budget. They voted against it, but they still felt it was a solid budget. Um, so unfortunately, I think it was comedy. It was along party lines last night. That's, that's unfortunate. If you feel it was a good budget, then vote for the budget. 
um, you know, pr try not to stand there and, and, you know, jump on the bandwagon and, and get this information, which I think, you know, my personal opinion, some of it's misinformation, you know, overtaxing our residents and slush funds. And come on, we have built um, a solid government here in Chautauqua County. Is there room for improvement? Certainly. Are we going to improve? Yes. Uh, you know, I have a plan coming out that I'll be uh, calling Vision 2024 and where we want to move the county in the next two years, at least uh, under my administration and where we look at the future beyond that. So uh, a lot of things are happening, a lot of excitement, uh, and we're going to have our stumbling. Let's let's face it. There are things that aren't going to go our way. There are things that you know we may stumble on, but when you look at the DRI, more development in Dunkirk, uh, more projects have been made, that final cut. Really exciting about development there. We're looking at other properties throughout Chautauqua County that could be developed. Uh, you know, industrial sites, uh, shovel-ready sites, we're increasing. You know, we have money for broadband expansion. <clears throat> so contested races, um, you know, the, the candidates have to get out. They have to get their message out. They have to tell and, you know, express to individuals why they should vote for them. Uh, and, you know, I again, I wouldn't, I'd be remiss in saying, you know, I wouldn't mind if we, you know, that our, our side of the aisle picked up a couple more seats. Uh, but again, it, it's the public. The public votes. Uh, I, I don't control that. You know, the people in Chautauqua County speak with their vote. And I can't urge people enough. You really have to take time and get out and vote. With early voting starting on Saturday. You know, I can't be there election day. That's great. There's absentee ballots. There's early voting. There are multiple ways where you can go out and vote prior to election day. I'm an election day traditionalist. That's just me. Um, but, you know, again, there's, there's places throughout Chautauqua County. Uh, you know, get out and vote. Uh, your vote matters. Your vote counts. And I think this year with so many contested races, that's, that's important to, you know, make sure your votes are heard. Something else that's happening before we talk again next month is Veterans Day. Uh, do you know of, does the county have anything they do in particular for Veterans Day? Is that mainly left up to the, um, the different service groups? A lot, of, a lot of it's left up to different service groups. I know our Veterans Service Agency, you know, does, uh, does an event. Uh, you know, I'll be participating in, you know, wherever I'm invited. Um, you know, my father's a veteran, a lot of friends of mine, um, you know, veterans as well. Uh, so really, uh, you know, take time to support that. And, and, it's more than just a day off of school and a day off of work in some cases. You know, we really have to, you know, take time um, and thank those individuals. Uh, you know, I think right now we are probably in one of the most scariest times in the world's history. Um, if you look at, I remember growing up watching, you know, the, the Nostradamus predictions, right? Uh, there will be the Third World War coming. It's, it's been predicted out of the Middle East. And look at where we're at right now. Um, if you look at prior to World War II, you had Italy, you had uh, you you had Japan, and you also had Germany. You know, right now we have China licking its chops on Taiwan. We have Russia that's invaded the Ukraine on another front, and now we have the the the, uh, the war in Israel. Those are three fronts, and you know, I think it was referred yesterday as you know the new axis of evil, you know, between Russia, China, and Iran, or you know other Middle Eastern countries. Um, there was reports today that it was the former Fort Bragg, I think it's Fort Freedom now, uh, are deploying troops to the Middle East. So we are ramping up our efforts. Um, so really, take time to thank our veterans. If you know somebody in the military service now, the National Guard, the Reserve, please take time and thank them because. We're not sure where we're gonna be in a month. I, I'm not sure where we would be in two or three weeks, to be quite honest with you. Um, this is a very scary time in world history. Um, and even right now, the divide amongst Americans as to where we stand on this issue, uh, it's just, you know, I, I don't wanna get out. It's interesting to see, um, you know, the, the, the struggles going on and, you know, 
a Palestine state, an Israeli, a Jewish state, which is it? Um, there's a lot of discussion going back and forth. Um, but, you know, we do have a large population of Jewish individuals in New York State. Um, and, you know, there was a serious atrocity. And they've talked. This is the largest massacre of, you know, Jewish population since the Holocaust. That in and of itself needs everyone to take time. It, wherever your political beliefs lie, you need to take time and realize these are human beings and what had happened is it happened. We can't deny that it happened, but now we need to hold those accountable. And it's a scary time. I, I just, you know, I can't say enough about it. It's it's concerning. I know, you know, Bob Bankowski mentioned it last night. Keep everyone in your thoughts and prayers, our servicemen, you know, um, the fear of, you know, people of the Jewish faith that are that are in fear right now, you know, moving about uh, places like New York City and large, you know, populations of, of uh, with Jewish centers. So, um, you know, we just pray that uh, we aren't on the verge of World War III, but I, I can't seem to think that we're pretty close. Um, and again, it's it's a concern. And and you know what made us strong was the unity of the United States in World War II. Many will say we just don't have that unity right now, and that's alarming because in order for us to be successful, we need that unity uh, of the American spirit. So. Um, I think Veterans Day this year is going to be, you know, a special time. As I think we are on the verge of, uh, you know, U.S. involvement, and uh, and just take time to thank those. You know, I, you know, my father and others, you know, you know, went, uh, did their tours in Vietnam, and you know, we've lost just about every World War II veteran. Although I know there's a guy out there in Bemis Point, Mr. White's out there, and he's uh, he's a feisty night. I, he's getting close to a hundred. Those veterans are still around. Uh, world, our Korean War veterans are, are dying again. That's another close. To, uh, and realistically, our, our Vietnam veterans are in their 70s now. So, um, you know, take time. And, 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 you know, myself and, you know, people my age were in, you know, involved in Iraqi, not myself, others were involved in Iraqi freedom, Desert Storm. So we have another host of, of veterans that was a 20-year war for the United States. You know, people forget, um, you know, the war on terrorism started in 2001, and it, it lasted quite a long time. Uh, so there have been people that lost their lives and walked through, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be risk, you know, Charles Cooper, Aaron Swanson, J.T. Madison, uh, the others that have, that have given their lives, uh, you know, uh, Serviceman Goldnitz up in the North County. Uh, there's just a myriad of Gold Star families, unfortunately, right here in Chautauqua County. So we cannot forget them. Even on Veterans Day, um, you know, it's, they're not only remembered on Memorial Day, but every veteran, whether they're here or they're gone, needs to be remembered. Uh, and I think that's important as we... Uh, we take time and, you know, again, throughout this next month, it'll um, make us all aware, that's for sure. Right. County Executive, do you have anything else you'd like to add for today? No, I just, uh, you know, thanks for the coverage. Uh, you know, again, uh, always great being here for the for the interview and uh, looking forward to an exciting new year and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you.